Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hey there, O'Toole, on New Year's Eve week upcoming. And in the new year, we've got a new... I know! A new a everything, new a new logo, a I, new website, a new podcast feed. It's new, I new, know, new! Yay. Oh, and a new, new date for uploading the podcast. We'll be uploading them on Thursdays instead of Tuesdays. Yes, from now on. Anyway, going into 2016, I thought I'd start us off uh, with... I always like to go back 10 years and see what were the best movies of 10 years ago so that I can watch them again in that 10-year time frame. That's so, so I did my homework. It's like a I cinematic know. version I, of a first down. I, you I have know. a 10-year marker. Okay. I do. You know, I actually do it every year, and I do it the week between Christmas and New Year's, so I did it today. So here are the movies that I've selected that I will be watching again because they're 10 years old, and just tell me if you, you if you agree with them. Such okay? an interesting tradition. Okay. Okay, the first one is The Da Vinci Code. I so looked forward to that to that movie coming out, and had Tom Hanks not been the lead in it, it would have been a good movie. Who, so if you can just put another face on it. Who, uh, who would you have cast instead, Hollister? Uh, probably Norton. Oh, Edward Norton? Yeah. Was he old enough? Uh, well, you can make, I mean, if Jennifer Lawrence can be 40 in joy, then he can be older. <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. The second one, I know you'll like this and I sort of chose it for you. It's a Helen Mirren movie. Do you know which one? From 2006, The Queen? Yep. That's it. Yep. Okay. Okay. Double Wears Prada, of course. Oh, right? that's a great selection. That was already 10 exactly. years ago. Yep. And Aquila the Bee. Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. With Angela Bassett? Yes, 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 yes. Aquila the Bee. And the last one will be for December, and it's the holiday. You know, Nancy Myers. Love. Wow. Okay, so those old. are my five movies. That's my thing for the new year, so I thought I'd just put that out there. I like it. Well, I have something that I wanted to leave in the old year, but I thought you would appreciate hearing it now. So this is my end-of-the-year gift to you, Hollister. I know you usually read the mail from our listeners, but I have three messages here I really need to share, and I'm sure you're going to really appreciate them. Okay, I'm ready. Yep. Okay, the first one is from Carla in Mexico. Okay, I'm quoting Carla. Enjoyed the podcast about Spectre, but I don't agree with O'Toole and think O'Toole should go to jail for saying Craig is the best Bond. Hollister was right. Oh, funny you should bring that up because I was next going to read off an email from Edmund who said, I just listened to your review of Spectre. Denise and I recently watched it online. So the horror was still nascent. Your co-conspirator, which by the way, he's referring to me, is correct. Connery is the only Bond. Daniel Craig is a self-parody who could not be more wooden if he were Van Damme or Schwarzenegger. I intend to listen to more of your sparkling reviews as time permits. P.S. Odd Jobs Bowler was steel, I believe. So thank you, Edmund, for the correction. And isn't it funny that I should pick one that would reinforce my point of view as well? That is so funny. Okay, well now this, this last one that I'm going to read is from my mother. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what? Okay, this is what my mother wrote. You did not say Craig was the best Bond. Sean Connery is James Bond. Uh, if, it, if it weren't for him, no one would know how to pronounce your brother's name. <laughs> See, there you go. I'm just saying, and probably your brother's named after him, but I just want to point out that, you know, you really need to review your, although I have decided, by the way, I have decided that Luther could be, you know, a Connery kind of 
James Bond. See, guy, we might find sure. common ground in the future. True points all, but I just wanted to say these messages from our listeners reminds me of that story, perhaps apocryphal, of Roger Moore taking his grandson to lunch. There they are in the restaurant when who but Sean Connery should walk into the same restaurant. And Roger Moore's little grandson pointed at Sean Connery and says, look, granddad, there's James Bond. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, that he even the even the little ones know about it. Absolutely. You know, the little ones. I mean, what can I say? I, I just sit here corrected. Yes. I'll so. tell you what you can say. You can say you're so sorry. You'll never make a mistake that large again. And, you're, and you really have great, great sadness that you brought so much despair to so many people. That's what you can say. But speaking, by the way, of your Luther, I wanted to, I bought the fourth season of Luther on iTunes. Did you get a chance to go in and watch it? Not yet. No. Okay. I have to well, pace out my pleasures, Hollister. I really do. Okay. I understand. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping in mind that Luther was, uh, was much more important to O'Toole than it was to me, but anyway. And yet my, you're the one who's sh- watched season three, so go figure. I know. Uh, no, it's season four, my friend. Season four. Oh, see, I forget because some of these seasons only have two episodes. Yes. Well, this one is the only one that only has two episodes. Season three, I think, had maybe four maybe, oh, or something. I can't remember. Season. But anyway, here's what I have to say about it. Two episodes, both, well, they're, they're packed with the cannibal Hannibal that is scary for sure, but the entire two hours is spent waiting for Alice Morgan to come back from a supposed dead, and she doesn't. Played, of course, by Ruth Wilson, the brilliant, brilliant know, Ruth Wilson. I know. I, again, I got to say it again, O'Toole. You may be right about him being the next Bond, James Bond. I think really, he would really. be terrific. Yeah, so I did watch it, and that's what I'd say about it is that it's very disappointing without Ruth Wilson in it. And I don't know what she had better to do, but I can't imagine what it was. So, I think it was a little show called The Affair. Well, you know what? She would have done better sticking with Luther. He's a much better guy to have an affair with. Let's put it that way. And now let's get into our big pick of the week, which, of course, came out on Christmas Day in its joy. I have real ambitions and real ideas. We're making an invention. And it's very serious. Joy's never run a business in her entire life. It's my fault. I gave her the confidence to think she was more than just an unemployed housewife. I don't want to end up like my family. I have to do things myself once and for all. Okay, Godspeed. Good luck. Here we go. You want to start us off? <laughs> You're going to let me be the person who took Joy out really? of Christmas? Well, no, because <laughs> obviously I have much more acumen in this area than you, but... Uh, I don't know. Did you not like the did you not like the movie? I want to preface my remarks with the following. Nothing I'm about to say is the actor's fault. I think they're an extremely talented bunch. It goes without saying. But yes, Joy, a great marketing move, a one-word title that bespeaks the holiday season, Joy. That part was brilliant. Written and directed, of course, by David O. Russell, who brought us the fabulous Silver Linings Playbook, a movie which I loved and, of course, also starred Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro. They're all reteamed here. Do you feel the other the other shoe about to drop? <laughs> well, you know, I you know, as somebody who didn't love Silver Linings Playbook but thought Joy was marvelous, I can't imagine what you're going to say next. You loved Silver Linings Playbook. I loved you not Silver love Linings movie? Playbook. This yeah. is what I thought about Joy. I thought Joy seemed as though they were all still at a cast party for Silver Linings Playbook, and David O. Russell dropped acid or some mind-altering substance, 
and made his group sit around a table and all play that game story where everybody takes a turn saying one sentence and you have to keep the story going. And I'm picturing that it went something like this. Jennifer Lawrence lives in a house. Her ex-husband is in the basement. Her mother sports a futuristic hairdo and has a plumbing leak in the floor of her bedroom, even though there is no sink there. Donna Mills is on the television. Diane Ladd is way too dressed up for this house. Jennifer Lawrence invents a mop. She brings it to QVC, where Joan Rivers sells things. (laughs) So I don't understand why you're laughing. Did you think something in that was funny? I think this was a mess. Hollister, I wasn't even sure what decade it was supposed to be taking place in. When this movie doesn't matter. opened... It doesn't matter. It was in the 90s. It doesn't matter what decade. I couldn't tell if matter. it was the 50s, the 70s, the 90s. It's the I same was story. so the disoriented. The same story. So now what was the story? The story is that sometimes the life you think you could have is out of reach because of the life you have. And... The gener- and do you know how many, I just know so many people, I went to the University of Nebraska, I spent a lot of time in the Midwest, grew up in, outside of Cleveland, Detroit, you know, all around, and I can tell you that this is many people's lives who um, don't have a lot of money, but more importantly, who have amazing talent and are brought down, not by their own talent, but the people around them either fearing, you know, like her sister fearing the talent, her father terrified of her success, not because he didn't want her to be successful, but just because he was afraid she was going to go out too much on a limb. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought it was a really, I thought it was so much better than Silver Linings Playbook, which I found unbelievable and sort of silly. Hollister, and I, I got to tell I you. I thought this was great. I, really would, I would love to have seen the movie you're describing. That is a movie that would hold my interest. And I yeah. saw an incoherent. This is that movie. I thought the movie started with great promise. When they brought out that title card that said, based on inspiring women <laughs> everywhere. And title cards. And one in particular. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this, this could be interesting. I was shocked <laughs> that I was sitting there in the movie theater watching a movie about a woman who invented a mop. And I'm not well, saying that all, that is invented, an easy achievement. But the story, yeah. um, the screenplay should have gone into all her other inventions. They should have really showed her yeah. prowess at how good of an inventor she was. They dwelled it wasn't about, it wasn't for about a very long time on the mop. No, no, no. Nay, 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 O'Toole. It wasn't about her inventions. It wasn't about that. It was about family and love and jealousy. And it's about all those emotions that overtake us inside our own families and produce the best in us and the worst in us. It wasn't about the mop. The it mop was, was you about know, a mop. <laughs> No, it really wasn't. The the mop was a tool in the in the in the in the movie, but it wasn't about a mop. That wasn't what but it was about. When I think about her tremendous real life success, the woman it was based on on QVC and HSN, they could have made much more of the story, given yeah. the initial premise that it was inspired by these incredible women everywhere, and one in particular. Every single thing around the mop was about the family dynamic around the mop. I didn't think it was about a mop. Okay. And you look at the cast, Diane Ladd, Virginia Madsen, who was so wonderful and sideways. Isabella Rossini. Isabella Rossellini. She was amazing. You are in a room and there is a gun on the table. I want my life to be. The only other person in the room is an adversary in commerce. Only one of you can prevail. Do you pick up the gun, Troy? I pick up the gun. 
I just found this entire script so disorienting. For oh, example, the very first scene where the movie opens and you're in the middle of a made-up soap opera that's in black and white. Yes, did- which, by the way, is an exaggeration of... You know, I can tell you there's a person in my life who, when we were growing up, at noon, she would come home from her job, and you were not allowed to speak in the house. We had to leave the house or go sit in another room and be very quiet because she watched the soaps every single day. 50 years, she's still watching the same one every single day. Every single day. Why does the movie start me there? If Jennifer Lawrence is the protagonist, why are you starting me through the vision of her mother, uh, yeah, you know, it's so Virginia Madsen, who never leaves out. her bedroom? It's starting you there because the drama that is unfolding in front of you on the television is a facsimile of the drama of Joy's life. See, and I'm immediately put into a place Exaggerated where it's black and white and you've lost my interest. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm so, you know, and I'm so sorry for you because it's really, really, well, I, you know, it's, it's the kind of movie, by the way, who I, I was not happy sitting through it. I was very disquieted. You know, the, 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 the way that her father treated her, her sister treated her and how she never backed down on any of them. You know, I saw an interview with Jennifer Lawrence who said that the parts that are the worst parts in it and the most shocking parts and most absurd parts are the true parts. The other things are the ones that are not. I mean, this is, I think, sort of a, 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 a description of this, of, of this woman's life. And, um, you know, the betrayal, but, but love, the love through all of it, her love for her child, her daughter's love for her, her mother's you know, absurd fear of any kind of uh, attachment to anybody until the guy comes in to fix the floor. I thought thought it was really, really well done. The thing that I question most is, does David O. Russell have a daddy problem? Like, he makes all the dads. Like, Silver Lining Playbooks, you know, De Niro was, was, was really not a nice man, and he certainly is really not a nice guy in this in many ways. I mean, I, you know, he certainly likes women better than he likes men. And I'm really grateful for that being on the woman's side of this fence. But I would love, love, love to interview David O. Russell about his own personal history. Cause there, there's just too many similarities between all these characters over and over again. Don't you think? Yeah, it does feel like I've got season tickets to a theater with a local cast that continually swaps out the plays that they're performing. And these are actors who I love, but Bradley Cooper, he could have appeared much sooner in the film, if you ask me. I thought he did a really, really good job. Why did he wait so long to bring him into the story when he and Jennifer Lawrence are so good together on screen? And again, not a movie that's a romantic movie at all, which brings up my next issue with the movie. I thought there was a real tonal dissonance. So Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, she, the camera loves her. She is phenomenal on screen, but it felt as though Jennifer Lawrence, in terms of tone, were in a Western remake of French Lieutenant's Woman, whereas all the other actors were in a weird black comedy, like the movie Brazil <laughs> with the weird hairdos. And well, I, everybody becomes the poor relation when she's on the screen. But that's true in Hunger Games. That's true in any movie I've ever seen her in, which, by the way, I think may be a problem. I don't think she can be in an ensemble cast. I don't. I don't think she can do I it. I thought when she was came, phenomenal when, when in Niro, Silver Linings was, Playbook. Oh, she was very good. But so, well, but the others, when she's on the screen, everybody takes a back seat, and it's a problem. It's the prettiest girl in the room often is the one who's most 
overlooked because you can't really talk to her. I mean, she's just too pretty. You know, <laughs> you're but just... you didn't think that it was like a everyone else was in a comedy and she was in a serious movie. No, I thought that they were, I thought that I just, maybe I recognize too many scenes that I've seen along my travels in life. Uh, too many family scenes, you know, when going, going to people's homes on Thanksgiving or Christmas when, I mean, I, I just have seen those kinds of familial scenes that, that he creates in Silver Lining Playbooks and he created them here. And I think they were very realistic. And there is somebody in a family that always takes center stage, usually. Well, for example, um, if you compare it to David O. Russell's movie, The Fighter, that was a movie where there was no tonal dissonance between the characters. So there's a family. There wasn't a lot of relationship between the characters. But there's a lot of dysfunction between the brothers, between the sisters, between the mother and the children. Um, But I didn't, I felt like everybody was sharing the same tone in that film. Yeah, I... I don't, I, it didn't. It didn't bother me. It felt very realistic, actually. You know, and I think the fighter was about one guy, and this is about a whole family of interactions. And but somebody who who was bigger than the family light, and the the family light was was always trying to draw her back in, and she just wanted to keep fighting her way out. Uh, you know, it was Which funny. Is very you... similar to the fighter. If you think Mark Wahlberg was trying to make it out of a family where his brother's addicted yeah, to drugs, the interaction. And between the fighter and the other characters is so minimal. The, the amount of, of dialogue, et cetera, is so minimal compared to what, to, to his, his total character. I didn't find I, it to be the case. I was sitting there watching it going, okay, if Hollister's trying to get me back for Spectre, you overshot the mark a little bit. <laughs> oh, there you go. You know what? And I'm so glad because I really, really did like it. But I also, a couple fun things. I saw De Niro being interviewed by Jimmy Fallon. De Niro is known for not being exactly interactive when he's <laughs> when he's being interviewed, but uh, but Fallon really was able to draw him out quite well. And one of the things Fallon said is, you know, I heard that um, a Russell likes to yell out things in the middle of filming, like try this line or or wait, can you move there and try that line again in the middle of filming. And then, you know, Fallon said, so do you like that? And, and De Niro said, yeah, you know, yes, I do. I, I like his style a lot. And then Fallon looks at him and says, really? And De Niro said, no, I, I don't like it. <laughs> and here's the thing. De Niro doesn't work with people he doesn't want to work with. Like, he wouldn't work twice with him if he didn't want to, you know. So, mm-hmm. so clearly he didn't dislike it so much that he didn't want to to do it. But, um, but I thought that was great. And I thought, you know, whereas, whereas Lawrence says, if a Russell ever calls her to do anything, she will always do it. And I think Cooper feels the same way. Well, look I think at Deniro, his long string of successes with Silver Linings oh God, Playbook, yeah, American yeah. Hustle, The Fighter, look at Three Kings, how many Oscar nominations they receive every time he makes a movie. Yeah. yeah I just can't true. imagine it happening this time around. Well, you know, it's funny. Joy did okay in the box office, but once again, Star Wars really, that's the family movie everybody went to. Although this, I went on Christmas Day to Joy when it opened and it was full. My, and I went to an early show. So I went to like a 930 in the morning show and it was pretty full with, um, with a lot of people there. So, um, so I'm wishing it well in the box office and, you know, I'm certainly hoping that, uh, um, you know, I, that, that people can recognize the enormity of the potential of kids that are sometimes larger than the life of, and the potential of the family. I think there's great hope in that movie. 
Um, and I think there's great forgiveness and I feel like there's great love. And I, you know, I, I just, I can't speak more highly, certainly compared to my, my review of Silver Linings Playbook, which I didn't like at all. And so, I feel the need to jump on the other end of the seesaw and say, save your money, watch the teaser online. <laughs> and now that mystery has been solved for me, why the, the great teaser for Joy just showed Jennifer Lawrence shooting a gun like nobody's business and then saying, my name is Joy. I think that was some tremendous editing. You know, and there you have it. We don't agree, which is happening more frequently lately. What is that all about? Hmm, interesting, interesting. Listen to me. Never speak on my behalf about my business again. But I did go see another movie that I'm going to talk about a little bit now called The Big Short. Oh my God, this for me was the movie of the week for sure. Okay, now first of all, it's so interesting because... It was based on the book by Michael Lewis. Now, everybody remembers Michael Lewis because Moneyball, Blindside, you know, he's sort of the literary version of Michael Moore in my mind. He's, you know, interesting. It's a slanted point of view, but um, but fascinating to tell tell the torrid tales of Wall Street felonies. He wrote Liar's Poker. So he writes all these books and now, you know, they, they've made them into some successful movies. But this one, The Big Short, is um, is directed by Adam McKay. So The Big Short is about the mortgage, you know, issue in 2008 that brought down, you know, the world economy. Michael, how are you? I found something really interesting. The whole housing market is propped up on these bad loans. They will fail. The housing market is rock solid. It's a time bomb. So Mike Burry, who gets his hair cut at Supercuts and doesn't wear shoes, knows more than Alan Greenspan. Dr. Mike Burry, yes, he does. <laughs> Is probably not going to do great in the box office because, number one, it's very, very complex. You can't stop thinking about it for one second. You have to be totally, totally in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, I just, I cannot speak more highly about um, Charles Randolph, who wrote the screenplay. It comes very, very close to Sorkin. It's that good. But it's much harder than Sorkin because he has to explain really boring, complex things with a tat, 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 tat dialogue. I'm so glad he's up for a Golden Globe. And then when you have Christian Bale, who, by the way, the performance of his life, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, performance of his life. All of them, Brad Pitt, who I, as you know, I'm not a fan. He was unrecognizably good. I love him. I know. And he was fantastic (laughs) in Moneyball, Michael Lewis. I didn't even recognize him for the first five minutes he's on the screen. He is unrecognizably brilliant, unbelievably good in this. So, So you've got this incredible cast of characters coming together with this amazing script so when they when they were talking to um, Michael Lewis, you know, I, I read an interview with him, which I'm going to quote a couple of things from because I think it's so important. And one of the things he said is that he was really glad that Adam McKay was the director. Um, and one of the things that um, that Adam is quoted as saying is he said that Del Close once said to McKay, treat your audience like poets and geniuses, and that's what they'll become. Wow, there you go. And that's what he did in this movie. He isn't all that concerned that you think he's smart, but he's obviously very concerned that you leave his movie feeling smart. That is what uh, Michael Lewis said about him. And that's simple. Yeah, that simple impulse has enabled him to make a movie so important that even the author can't complain about it. 
And he really didn't think that the Big Short could be made because it is so complex about what happened. But the thing is, to get people to want to see this movie is the problem. And I don't think the trailer does it justice. So Michael Lewis, again, smart, smart guy that he is, he, he says that the reason he thinks Adam McKay it was perfect to actually, for the first time, uh, direct a drama instead of the comedies that he's done in the past. Like, do you know what McKay's done before? I, I couldn't believe it. Anchorman, the other guys. Oh, really? The one with Will yeah. Ferrell? Yeah, exactly. This is wow. the first movie. This is the first movie he's directed that Will Ferrell's not in. Okay, really? so so Mike, and by the way, it is one of the best dramas I've ever seen. It is as good as it is to movies this season. What Hamilton was to Broadway this season. Wow, it's that good. Okay, have you ever heard me so excited? Okay, so you're gonna go see it now, right? Oh my God, he then. Guess what music? You who, oh, I never noticed the music as you know, but I noticed the music in this because it is so amazing. Guess what music he layers in to this movie? I can't even imagine. Da, 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 da. Is that Jaws or the Wedding March? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, you are so oh! mean to me. Guess who's in it? You're never going to believe who has a cameo in it. And she's awesome. Selena Gomez. Really? And she explains a money thing that I can't even explain to you, but she explains it and I understood it. And I loved her telling the story of it. And it's really, really, really good. So, um, so I guess, I don't know if you can say that I'm highly recommending this. Now, how come you didn't recommend that we podcast about this movie this week instead of I did of bring up this movie, and you said you had no interest in seeing it. Because I didn't know the alternative was watching a movie about a mop. But, okay, well, know, I'm just telling I you, now. I did suggest this movie, and I know you're going to go see it now, but it truly, truly, truly belongs to the top of the list, and the only reason it's not going to be there is because people don't know to go see it. But I'm telling you, you must all go see it, for sure, for sure, for sure. Wow. Did you see anything this week? Yes, I did. I saw a movie from 2013, so I'm clearly still catching up, but it's called Le Weekend. I'm guessing that it's in French. <laughs> it's actually mostly in English. What are you doing here in Paris? God, it's our wedding anniversary. And now you will have time just for each other. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. You make my blood boil like nobody else. Sign of a deep connection. Once the kids have gone, what's left of us? Oh, I, you know what? I saw the movie. I saw the movie. I saw you it. saw the movie. And yep. I've recently become a little obsessed yep. with long marriages. I don't know why. Maybe it's because this week, 45 <laughs> years was released. Uh-huh. And I, I do have my limits. I saw Before Sunrise and I saw Before Sunset, of course, with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. I've never seen Before Midnight because I heard there's a 20-minute scene where they eviscerate each other and they say in a way that only married couples can do. And I am not into movies where married people eviscerate each other, but it does seem to have portrayed a 30-year marriage in the span of 90 minutes. And I thought for anyone who appreciates good acting to see what two consummate actors can do, of course, Jim Broadbent, who won the Oscar playing Judy Dench's husband in Iris, and Lindsay Duncan, 
And I know you recognize her because do you remember back when we did a podcast on that TV show you made me watch that I'm still recovering from Black Mirror? Oh, right. (laughs) Yes. By the way, that was very shocking. I had trouble with that, too. Yeah. So Dame Lindsay Duncan is in The Weeknd. And the thing that made me check it out was there on the DVD, it said it was directed by the same director, Roger Mitchell, who did Notting Hill. Oh, and which I loved, yeah. I exactly. loved Notting Hill, and it was written by Hanif Qureshi. They they frequently collaborate together. They did Venus together, where Peter O'Toole was nominated for an Oscar. Hanif Qureshi, he's written My Beautiful Laundrette, which was one of Daniel Day-Lewis's early films. Which I actually liked very much, too. I, I did not I did not love. Uh, I did not love The Weeknd. I didn't. Really, I thought the acting was so superb, and I thought what you can do with two actors and a director and writer huh. who are clear clearly simpatico with each other, and a wonderful musical score. You can't not love and hate the same person, usually within the space of five minutes, in my experience. People don't change. They do. They can get worse. I thought it was fascinating to watch these talents You know, on you know what it was for me? It was a little slow-moving and a little... I sort of knew what was going to... You know, you sort of knew what was going to happen. And Says the um, woman who loved the movies about a mop and the movie about mortgages. You see, thought the weekend if you're, was slow. If you're so short-sighted that you can't see that it had nothing to do with the mop... <laughs> It wasn't about the mop, honey bunny. I thought you would have been drawn to this dance, this 60s dance that they used as a motif running through the weekend, the Madison. I love a good dance scene in a movie, so I'm glad you liked that dance scene. And the well, dance scene anyone, was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't worth the build up to it. Oh, I thought it was wonderful. So anyone who is interested in The Weeknd, check out the DVD out of your library because that's one of the DVD extras is they give a dance tutorial on you how know, to do I the Can I just medicine. ask, like, do you, uh, who has a DVD player anymore? I don't have one. Drugs, sex, divorce, death. Ah, uh, There's another movie I didn't realize. It's another one of their collaborations, and I haven't yet watched it because the little tagline scared me a little bit. It's a movie called The Mother. Have you ever heard of this movie? Well, one of my favorite movies is called Mother that my daughter and I watch all the time. And I don't think this is the movie you watch over and over (laughs) with your daughter. This is the tagline. A grandmother has a passionate affair with a man half her age who is also sleeping with her daughter. Now, this is the very interesting part. Guess By the who way, plays... I don't want to see that. I, there's something wrong I with that. I didn't think and... I wanted to either, but here's two reasons I might have to see it. Guess who plays the grandmother? Anne Reed from Last Tango in Halifax. And here's the thing that's going to totally just seal the deal for you. Guess who plays the lover? Daniel Craig. Not, I don't care. (laughs) Okay, you stick with the mops and the mortgages, and I might just have to check this movie out. Okay, you can check that movie out, but there's something obscene about that and sort of not. Which is why I I haven't watched it yet, but I so enjoy it. You're going to say that you don't want to see a movie where a 20 minute argument takes place between a husband and a wife, but you want to watch a movie about a mother and daughter sleeping with the same guy? No, I don't want to watch a movie, but I want to see a collaboration as good as The Weeknd. All right, then tells me that you probably saw The Graduate. Um, that wasn't a mother-daughter. Oh, it was yes, a mother-daughter. Wait, but the, but the mother-daughter didn't know. And I didn't like The Graduate. I didn't better. like that movie. You know what? I didn't like it. So yeah, I saw it, but I didn't like it. 
Okay, anything else you saw this week? Anything exciting? That was enough for me. Rekindling the spark in the city of light. <laughs> All right, now also I do want to talk about my movie trailer of the week. Okay. okay. Sally Field, Hello, My Name is Doris. Did you see the trailer? I did see the trailer and I thought it looked <laughs> like fun. And look, we're back on that same theme of older woman falling for younger guy. Well, it's the theme for me. It's so funny. That's the theme you're seeing. But the theme I'm seeing is generational differences presented in comedy. You know, oh. it's clear. Yeah, it, what, it's not about that she wants a younger guy. It's the generational dif- differences between the millennials and, and two generations up. I just thought it looked fun. And you know what? Sally Field, bless that woman who's been around since I can possibly remember, since The Flying Nun. I'm so glad to see her looking great and having fun and clearly doing a, a fun movie. Can't wait for that to come out. So that well, was my know, movie trailer I of the week. I did think it was fun, but I also thought this is the exact same premise as Younger which I've totally enjoyed with Sutton Foster. Yes. Oh my God. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So whether it's younger or the intern, which by the way, also about generational differences or Sally Fields, hello, my name is Doris. I think it's bringing us all together. So isn't that a happy thing? And you do a new year's resolution. Come on, tell the truth. (laughs) Well, you know, in my family, we have a tradition. We have to give them to each other. And it has oh. to be something fun and something we've never done before. So I'm awaiting my task. Okay. Do you want me to give you one? Um, I don't know because, you know, you might send me to the sequel of Joy or something. <laughs> okay. I, I, you know, all right. Then I won't give you one. But you know what? Because I am a generous soul, you're welcome to give me one if you'd like. Anyway, Happy New Year, O'Toole. Happy New Year to everyone out there. Happy, Happy New Year to you, Hollister, and all our listeners. And just keep in mind, this is our last podcast to be uploaded on a Tuesday. We'll be moving to Thursdays. Yay. We'll see you all in the new year. 